Hi, it's Joe. Hi, friends. Aislinn here. And we want to welcome you to the second half of Season 3 of Dinner Table Talks. We are so glad that you are here at our table with us, and we are looking forward to all of the great talks that we're going to have. If you enjoy what you hear, tell a friend. Grab a drink and get your most comfortable chair. Pull it up to the table because we're about to get into it. been home now for almost a week. Besides the idea that we are incredibly busy right now, between my mom's health, (laughs) your daughter leaving for college, Mm -hmm. my daughter back and engaging fully into her life. And all of the other things that exist with human interactions in life. (laughs) How has it been back home? What's the adjustment or is there an adjustment after what you called a transformative experience? Well, yeah. Because number one, when you travel in an airport in Vegas, <laughs> apparently you catch germs and bring them home with you because I have a cold now. So that has been a me transitioning back mm. and then getting back into like wake up time. Like I'm definitely waking up later than I like to wake up yep. because I wake up earlier than you so that mm. I can get myself situated before you even wake up. But Savannah's been making the coffee these days. Yep. We're packing again because we leave to take Lillian to drop her off at college. And that's a huge thing that you're going to hear some more about because we're moving into the third child now at college. And once the page in that book has been turned, we move into fall planting season. Yeah. And so as soon as I get home, I'm going to hit it hard planting again. Because the fact of the matter is what I've learned over the last year is that our community really, 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 really needs a well-developed regenerative grower of food in order to make sure that we have access to food in our community 12 months out of the year. Vegetables, 12 months out of the year. Now, granted, I understand that the idea that I'm going to be providing that for the entire community is a laughing stock. But, as I told someone today, I love growing flowers. Mm -hmm. Flowers are the thing that are actually paying the bills right now, in all honesty. The amount of money I make on flowers compared to the amount of money I make on food. But I expect that in the not-so-distant future, the cost of food is going to be such a difference in what it is now that people... Are going to be looking for options. They're going to be looking for affordable food. And that's what we talked about in Hawaii was the idea that you're looking for affordable food there and you buy a local food because that's the stuff that's the most affordable. Well, when our system gets completely jacked up in the way that it's completely getting jacked up, the cheapest food will be the local food because... It won't have had to travel across the world to get to, to you. To get to you. Mm-hmm. Right. The average carrot in America travels 1,200 miles, something like that? Yeah, ridiculous numbers. And that's just the stuff that actually comes from coast to coast in the United States. That's right. not the stuff that we buy from all over the world. Right. I'm serious about it. Growing food and regenerating the land. I'm a soil farmer. I tell people I'm a female farmer. Kind of the first thing I say when people ask me what I do. And then I, you know, I explain a little bit. You put female in the front on purpose? Absolutely. Female farmer. What do you grow? My answer from now on isn't going to be, well, technically I'm a gardener and I grow everything, but I do it on 10 acres of homestead land, la, 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 all the story that comes with that. The answer is going to be, I'm a soil farmer. Oh, that'll confuse the shit out of everybody. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because that's what I'm doing. I'm growing food. I'm growing flowers. I'm growing healthy soil. 
And when we do that, we feed people. Your healthy soil got five inches of rain in 24 Thank hours. God. I was sick of talking about the drought. <laughs> if that was the worst part that came out of a drought is that we get sick of talking about it, <laughs> then I you, think we're no, okay. No, you get my point. It had been so long since we got any substantial rain. Nearly that, 10 months. That that pond your dad was working to build got almost filled up. We made a joke. In a day. That, yeah, we made a joke. The universe was just waiting on my dad to get the, come on, finish this thing. Get it done and we can get some rain. And look, because they weren't even through loading the skid steer on the trailer when it was already pouring down rain. Yeah. The rain had started. Of course, the mosquitoes are out. But either way, as I'm work, walking around everything, I'm looking at what you did while I was gone. Yeah. I'm looking at what I had already developed. Now the rains have come and mm -hmm. set in on the soil because of these storms coming through. The, the temperatures come down a little bit. When the temperatures come down a little bit, the plants set flowers and fruit again. Yeah. And so I just need a little bit of those pops every once in a while to get us another tomato in the house, to get us another melon in the house, some more beautiful squash. But my soil is alive. I've got mushrooms growing everywhere. I've got little tiny new earthworms coming out of yeah. all kinds of places. Of course, I've got lots of grass growing, but as I was explaining to everyone this morning on a live that I did, that's a good thing. Because now I'm ready for the fall and I can move through those spaces and plant and pull that green down and put it down in the pads. The chickens might go on, you know, I've got healthy soil so that I can grow some beautiful vegetables to feed our community. The rain though, I remember when we first moved in, the backyard flooded and I brought a bunch of mulch in to make a pathway this backyard, in, this backyard. Yeah, here yeah, yeah, yeah. in the event of that rain. Right. We couldn't walk through the backyard. Right. So I made these mulch paths. Yep. And of course, in our chicken run, I try to keep a nice amount of mulch in there. Mm -hmm. When it rains like this and you see every bird bath in the yard yeah. Yeah. filled up again, yep. I need to put some mulch in that chicken pen. Oh, yeah. It yeah. is way past time. Last week, I talked a bit about the regenerative growing that's happening out there in Hawaii when I talked about the pokey making class, but I didn't get a chance to talk a lot about the chickens. Kauai is called the Garden Island, a full-blown ecosystem, rainforest, microclimate, but they have chickens, yeah. wild chickens. You commented on that a lot when you were there last time. Right. And said, I can't wait to get back to the chickens. They're everywhere, these chickens. Parking lots of the supermarket. That's kind of funny too, but then you go over to this river bank and it's covered in chickens. Uh-huh. Every mama has a couple of little babies behind her, and every rooster has a flock of ladies around him. If they're around humans so often, are they? how do they react to humans? Oh, they just move away most of the time. Uh -huh. Although there was this little pair of hens that lived over near the Java Kai place, by the way. I called it by the wrong name twice last week. I called it Kavajai. It was actually called Java Kai. I made a few blubs last week as I literally just walked in and then uh -huh. recorded a podcast yeah. because we had to Welcome do it Welcome so home, quickly. sit yeah. down. We need you to record a podcast. <laughs> we got to get this done. And the other one I mispronounced was Lava Lava. That was the like traditional kind of retro Hawaiian beach club right. place, right? Well, Java Kai, there was two hens and a couple of mornings that we went over there where the juice place was nearby and we got our juice and we got breakfast if we wanted it. And the hens that they have and the roosters that they have there are 
Not our big, fat, domesticated mm -hmm. agricultural hens. Mm -hmm. Our barred rocks. Our They're red... jungle birds. They thrive on this island because they don't really have the predators that we have here. This has got to be an unanswered question. Do they have uh, hawks or owls on that island? Okay. Like, I never really got that question answered. I brought some stuff today, but nothing about wildlife. But basically everything everyone told me was... We don't have the mongoose here. So that was apparently the biggest predator to a chicken is the mongoose. Sure. Well, when I give anyone... I don't even know what a mongoose is, by the way. <laughs> when I give anyone a little talk about how to start chickens, anecdotally, where we live, you must think about predators. Mm -hmm. If some of their essential predators don't exist, then of course they're going to thrive. And of course they're going to thrive in that jungle. You know that our chickens, when they were young... If they had places to hide, yeah. they were survivors Yeah, because they were little. Yeah, when the dog came in our backyard and then we thought all the chickens were dead because we couldn't find them, but that beep, 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 it was, oh, it was behind a plant. Oh, beep, exactly. beep, beep, oh, it was hidden in a... Exactly. So that's what happens uh, there. I don't think we lost any. They run off, you know, and hide. Right. But then you have Scatter. like the pair that are over at the coffee spot, you know, they're the coffee hens. Uh -huh. They've got to live right there somewhere Sure. because they come inside the restaurant and walk around wow. on the floor and then they walk out and not just that restaurant, like all the restaurants on the block, you, you know, they're walking in and out and they're telling you like, don't feed them because sure. at one point, like the seagulls, they're pretty to look at and take a picture of, but do not feed them. Yeah. Please don't feed them. Let them be native wild. Right. Let them be out there doing their own thing. They don't need to be up here on our porches where they shit and, mm -hmm. you know, and somehow a piece of bacon or something got dropped. I don't know if we did it on purpose. I don't really know because we'd been kind of watching these little girls. And sure. it was funny because one of them was a little bit bigger than the other one and she would pick on the other one. Of course. So all of a sudden this chicken just grabs this piece of food on the ground and then flaps through the air and it's like drops a, whatever it was like on the table right on Lily. <laughs> that's why you don't feed the birds yeah. around here. Like that's Lily. Like what happened? Why did she freak out like that? Because she's a chicken and something scared her. That's why. Like Don't. Feed the bird. The story that is told is that Hurricane Iniki in 1992, which isn't that long ago, demolished so many of the chicken coops, setting scores of them free. Then, of course, they don't have the predators, and it says no mongoose here. Right. No mongoose. They are fairly unappetizing to eat, of which we know. It's yeah, these funny aren't meat birds. Every time somebody says to me, oh, why don't you just kill that chicken and eat it? And I'm like, I don't know how to just say god you're a dumbass <laughs> like i don't know how to, they like, don't know i know they don't know and that's the thing that i want my mind to say forgive them for they know not what they do <laughs> like but instead my mind goes holy shit <laughs> or my other favorite how are the eggs if there's no rooster oh you do know my answer to that question go ahead how do you lay eggs with no rooster right it's like we forgot. Oh, no, that's just a disassociation with food. No, no. I No, no. That is a disassociation from biology and the fact that humans are animals. It's an egg. We have them. They just look different. So anyways, they were saying that the locals make jokes about the wild chicken. And if you put the wild chicken and the lava rock together, that you can chew the two and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. My friend, Matt, who takes us up to the top of the mountain on our very last day there. Right. He was talking a lot about hunting because the way they feed their family there is as local as local as can be. And chicken was an interesting subject. And I'm going to talk some more about the hunting and all that stuff later. But the chicken was funny because she said, um, 
every once in a while we eat a wild chicken. We pretty much just like stew it and make curry out of it, uh-huh. you know? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. And the thing about it is, is it just goes back to, for me, if you want to survive there, you can survive there. If you want to be in Kauai, you can. Unanswered questions. Speaking of that pokey-making class last week, you said that your host said use veganaise, not mayonnaise, veganaise, not mayonnaise. Uh-huh. Now, when you say veganaise, I know what that must be. If I was going to make mayonnaise at home... Which we should make mayonnaise at home when we have chickens that lay a lot of eggs. And ranch dressing that requires... Mayonnaise. The most basic way is egg, oil, and a little bit of lemon juice. But a lot of people are going to add a little thing of Dijon mustard, maybe, or some wine vinegar. There's a billion different ways that you can... To flavor it the way you want to flavor it. But those are the basic ingredients. Mm -hmm. So that can't be vegan if you're using egg. Right. So simply, you're going to use an egg substitute of some kind. You came back saying, I want to eat a little less dairy, and you wanted me to look at what our local grocery store has for a dairy-free cheese. I walked over to the dairy-free cheese section, and guess what I saw a jar of? Veganaise. Picked it up, turned it around. Canola oil, water, brown rice syrup, apple cider vinegar, soy protein. That's your egg substitute, a soy. Mm-hmm. In this case, sea salt, mustard flour, lemon juice concentrate. Okay, so why is veganaise important for the pokey? A lot of people just say it tastes better. Mm-hmm. And I was actually thinking about this. If you consider the basic ingredients in mayonnaise, mm-hmm. oil, eggs, lemon juice, or some maybe vinegar, that's not going to be shelf stable for very long. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be able to stay creamy the way that a jar of mayonnaise does after you've opened it forever. So... You can imagine what they're putting in there to emulsify and keep that blend creamy and smooth without separating. I mean, that's a general case with most of the. That ve- just sounds that's gross. That's a general is my case point. with most of the vegan stuff. That's a whole lot of ingredients, and there's a whole lot of things trying to make that like real food. That's not what I'm looking for. I did, interestingly enough, when I was at Natural Grocers today buying some groceries for my vegetarian college student that's about to find out how the real world works. Mm. <laughs> I bought her some ramen, vegetarian ramen, some Amy's soups. Anywho. Quick and easy for college. Exactly. They did have cashew cheese, Mm -hmm. that same kind that I had bought in Hawaii. Okay. So I bought that spread and brought it home. And the thing about all of that is I don't disagree with a vegetarian or a vegan diet when it's focused on whole clean foods. Okay. I do disagree when it's people just eating a lot of fake food. Or a lot of cheese and bread. Well, that's literally what I said when I was checking out at Natural Grocers today. I'm trying to buy my college student a few things because she's about to learn that vegetarian in college is just a lot of cheese and bread. Then she's going to start feeling not so great. Honestly, that's mm. what ends up happening. Well, I did find a quick and easy five-minute recipe for vegan mayo. Cool. So when we get some tuna and make our pokey, we're going to make our own All of them mayo. have soy milk in addition to an oil of your choice. That's the way they're doing it. Yeah, and see, that's part of the problem, in my opinion, with the vegan vegetarian stuff. Why it's is that? Like, because we shouldn't be eating all soy either. No more than we should be eating all wheat. Because just when we've made ourselves adapted to where we can't eat wheat or we can't eat other types of things, then we make ourselves adapted to where we can't eat soy now because our body rejects how much soy we're putting in it. And then I'm not making this. Okay, so then you asked <laughs> for a very open-ended discussion of kawaii soil waste management, things that tourists aren't going to exactly know. Well, no, I mean, 
Hawaii is a part of the United States. I think we don't know a lot about a lot of land structures in oh, our country. <laughs> so here's it's a America. Island. We don't know a lot about a lot. I think yeah. that you're absolutely correct. The soil is composed of basaltic lava, volcanic ash, limestone from ancient corals, and material deposits from water runoff. That's what created the soil in Hawaii over many, 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 many years. Yep. Now, everything about the soil in Hawaii is how red it is. Did you notice that? Yep. And it's kind of slippery, like clay. So it's a red clay, basically. We have yellow clay out here. That's what we have. And they say that's because of the dark, iron-rich basalt rock, basaltic, Mm -hmm. that made up the majority of the soil. One of the kind of mountaintops that we go on, and it's got this like dune area, and then it looks back over Waimea Canyon. There was literal sparkles. All the dirt Mm -hmm. sparkled. Yeah. Little like pieces of glitter. It's crazy. It was really pretty. I tried to take a picture of it, a video of it, but it didn't show up. Didn't take? No. So all of that like volcanic soil is what makes that land so fertile. And clearly, temperate-wise, perfect for those tropical fruits that you know come from Hawaii. It's really an interesting place. Where does Kauai take its trash? Or where does an island generally take its trash? My guess was that they just ship it over to one of the other islands. They do not. Matt told me they had a landfill. They do. It's called the Kekaha Landfill. This is a huge deal right now in Kauai. I'm sure. Because at the current rate of fill, yes, it will be filled in 2027. That was exactly my question. Exactly. This is how this got brought up in my mind. I'm walking around in this place and I'm thinking about how do you manage the amount of trash? Like we took out three trash bags. Of course, we were throwing away things we would never throw away at home. Right. Like we would feed our chickens. Sure. We would, okay. Yeah. As tourists, they were there for eight full days. We took away like two and a half full bags of trash. That's a lot of trash. And it's a big tourist island. Exactly. And they come and go and they come and go and they Mm -hmm. trash, trash, trash. And when you're on vacation, you're throwing away all kinds of crap because you're like, I got to get off the island. I got to pack all this stuff in my suitcase. They're leaving behind all kinds of things. So I know how they are about thrift stores. Right. You need to find something. You just go to a thrift store. You can get it because somebody got left it behind when they flew back to the Very disposable thought. How do they manage all this waste knowing that there's got to be an end to this? As you can imagine, the islanders are very sensitive subjectively as to where to put a new landfill. Yeah. Not in my backyard. Yeah. You can imagine. And nowhere ecologically on the island where things that you don't want to run downhill are running downhill. Yeah. So the politics there now are several proposed sites that fit the ecological requirements for this kind of land. Mm -hmm. And every single one is saying, no, 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 no. So the collective thought has been, we'll just put it across the street from the other one. But even those residents are like, wait a second. Yeah. We've been the host of this for long enough. Yeah. So that might be something that it's interesting to me because that's look into when we get over there. That's old school politics like Corpus Christi kind of crap. Meaning that like there are 8,000 billion better answers to this, but the idea of spending the money that we're required to institute a better option than just doing what we've been doing, which is creating more landfills, where no one wants a landfill on their property is the answer. 
But and the fact of the matter is, is that this will happen out there. It'll happen exactly the same th- same way things happen around us, which we're at this point glad to not really be as involved in as we were before. No. But that is that they're just going to do it quietly. They're going to sell those people out to deal with the problem. You even mentioned last week that you had made reservations for a farm-to-table dinner. I did. I love farm-to-table dinners. I love multi-course impress me with the quality of the food dinners. I love all the hoity and the toity that comes with these things. You like the hot seat and the tot I like them both. <laughs> I like them about 50-50. Depending on what time of night it is, I might want a little more hot than tot <laughs> By the way, your pictures from Hawaii are all hot and tot That's a well and healthy body living her best life. Preach it. I don't really even know any details at all yet of this multi-course farm-to-table dinner. So I want every detail. I want every special condiment. I want to know every special utensil. I want to know just how fancy it got. Did you see the picture of the little seaweed that I showed you? The oh, picture of the poke From last week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I did. Remember when I said the tiny, tiny little seaweed? Yeah, we posted that on Facebook, and you uh-huh. should go check out that selection of photos from that pokey class. Well, this was a really nice meal at a very nice restaurant in a very wealthy... Part of resort. the island. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. It's not the kind of resort that's short rental like what we did. Mm-hmm. It's people's home away from home. Got it's it. It's people's second homes. They can afford a second home and they can afford it in Kauai. It's that kind of place. Exactly. I'm with you. We had made our reservations and they had said that this is a farm to table prefix. They only do that specific prefixed menu on Tuesday nights. And that was going to be perfect because that was a day we were all supposed to be going up to skydive. You're going to celebrate the skydiving. And birthdays because mom's birthday and Lily's birthday are all within this trip or very close to it. At a restaurant where there's a head waiter. Got it. Go ahead. A head waiter? Never mind. I don't even know what that means. It means you're at a fancy restaurant. I'm not that fancy. They did have a, a young woman that was very attentive that was the like maitre d' or whatever you want to call it. Sure. The head, is that what you call it? The head? The head waiter? The head waiter is under the maitre d'. Well, it was this really, really fancy restaurant. Did That's you have, most Did you important. have a maitre d'? I don't know. I don't know what we had. This was the night I called you where I was about to go to dinner mm-hmm. and it was midnight for you here. Sure. And I'm out on this fancy, fancy veranda with these saltwater level pools and fancy dress clothes. All the people have fancy clothes on. And it was kind of funny to me because it was very different than it was clearly Hawaii vacation, folks, but it was a completely different culture than what I was seeing Understood. on a day to day. And especially because what I was looking at wasn't really the tourists. Right. I was looking at the locals as often as I could. You had a local experience as a tourist. Exactly. These are tourists having a and tourist so experience. Over here, I'm looking at like dirty little hippie kids with right. bikinis on, looking super cute. You saw more chickens than the other folks at the restaurant that night. No. You know why? Because that was chickens there. There was chickens everywhere there. Oh, they were like in jealous. chicken heaven over there. They're feeding those chickens over there, I can tell. Anyways, they have a farm on property. And one of the fun things we actually did was my mom took us off-road, literally, in the Malibu to a lighthouse. (laughs) Uh Because in Hawaii, it's public land. You can drive all kinds of places. The sign said a golf cart could go there. So if a golf cart can go there, mom mom just keeps driving. We're driving and driving and driving. We're just, we get all the way out to the island and we look back over the inlet and so beautiful. And 
as we were passing by, we saw a farm this way, and I tried to look and see if I could get over and look at the farm. You can really see the farm, so it was kind of secluded or whatever. But they've got a farm on property, and when we get back over to this fancy restaurant and look out over this beautiful place I'm calling you from, I can see the lighthouse. Sure. So I knew where we had just been on this amazing place where we're just kind of driving around and kind of wasting our time. It's raining, you know, because it rains every day in Kauai. No joke. Even if it's not much, it rains every day we're there. And it is a four-course dinner, and there's two options for the entree. The first course was... Oh, every ah- detail. Ahi tartar, hmm. which, of course, that makes sense. It was like an avocado base with the tuna tartare on top. Okay. Thin slices? Of tuna? Mm-hmm. No, it was like pokey. It was like pieces. Got it. You know, when they do one of those tower things. Right. It was like a tower type of situation. Okay. It was really, really good. I don't even know what all was on it. Nishi avocado coupe and shiso hmm. is what is on this. I don't even know what coupe is. I think shiso is a sauce. Okay. I think it might have had those little egg, tiny eggs on it, but like the black ones, like really fancy ones. Like caviar. I want to point out also that they actually named these by Hawaiian courses. So the first course they called ekahi. Second course, elua. That's watermelon and roots is what they called it. Mm. It's basically a salad, a watermelon salad. Okay. Lillian is allergic to watermelon, she's discovered. What? I know, right? It happens. And she does have some sort of a strange allergic reaction when she eats watermelon. Hmm. And so we skipped the watermelon for her, and they had no problem with that. They just made her the roots part of the salad. And we're talking about beautiful beets and carrots, all kind of steamed or cooked. yeah. Yeah, with some balsamic and some basil pesto, and I don't even know. Here it says Parmesan, basil, and balsamic. This is all coming off of their farm on property? Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, the entree course, the ekolu. Okay. I could be totally butchering this. No, I think you got it perfect. Was one of two choices. I only had one choice because of the gluten thing. Of course, they had an option available. Now, the first option was bubu arare. Mm-hmm. Crested Day Boat Ono. We talked about Ono last week. Right. Ono is the Wahoo. This is bok choy, Japanese long beans. Okay. We grow long beans, we grow bok choy, baby ginger, and it's a fish, a piece of like crusted fish. And it looked really, God, that really, looks amazing. really But there good. was some non, there was some gluten in that. Yes. In the, cr- in the crust and I think probably... Everyone that really treats gluten the way it's supposed to be treated, they consider anything with soy in it to have gluten in it. Right. We talked about the tamari. Exactly. Although I still look at all that stuff and I'm like, that says soy and it says gluten-free too. I don't understand the rules. It doesn't really matter. I just don't want to get sick. And so I'm going to say no gluten for me. And everybody's like, okay, we know how to do that. Or we don't have any clue what you know how to do. I had hardwood smoked prime rib. Oh. And my mom actually had that as well. Harris Ranch Beef. Red wine jus uh, and grimolata. You don't get steak at a restaurant often, so this had to have been an amazing treat. Absolutely. And it had a bowl of freshly ground horseradish, just like we had had with the poke. Right. And then it also had this little root next to it. And I think that that might be what the gremolata is, although we need to look this up. But there was this like vegetable type thing, like a root of some kind. Okay. And they grow a lot of roots in Hawaii. Turmeric, ginger, taro carrots clearly 
Right. And carrots and beets and clearly these other turnips mm-hmm. and radishes and all that kind of stuff. They can grow all of that. And you like there. a good root. I like them if they're done well. Yeah. Yeah. And how are theirs? This it was a root. It was like a it was like a really rooty turnip, you know? Like, <laughs> it was like the rootiest root of all roots. I do really like taro, although interestingly enough, I didn't run across a bunch of taro chips and things like that at the farmer's market this time. So there must be some seasonality to the taro agriculture. They're doing a lot of agriculture out there. When you drive across the land, there is... We talked about it last week. They don't want to have to ship that food all in. Yeah. It's just going to increase the cost of a place that's already costly to live. Yep. So the last course is called the Eha. Go ahead. And it was fantastic. A dragon fruit float. Wow. Ginger beer. Vanilla ice cream, Thai basil, and then it had the dragon oh, fruit. And it was really, really, really good. That sounds incredible. I liked it a lot. And I fell in love with the dragon fruit. Over this trip, I learned that lily koi uh-huh. is actually passion fruit, which we can grow passion fruit around here. And then, of course, we had a little sample of the soursop as well, which is another like fruit that you don't see at other no. places. But it was really, really good. a soursop beer one time. Well, this, what we ended up getting was some kind of fluffy shave ice type situation with lily koi and soursop, and it was so delicious. You asked me to pick up a mango if they had one, a pineapple if they had one. I noticed that your mom, we had dinner together the other night, uh-huh. had put some dragon fruit and mango yep. into a fruit salad. Yep. It's fun to bring that stuff back home. Yep. And we do have to, you know, look at like the seasonality of it. And right. when is it in season and in other places, even if they're not getting it from the United States or Texas or wherever. So at least we can try to get it as close to seasonal because I came home. There's a cantaloupe on the thing. I told you to bring home some melon. I look at the cantaloupe immediately and I'm like, this cantaloupe is far from ripe. So we've got to let it chill out here for a while. What's happening to it right now? It's got little rotten spots. It's rotting. So the thing is, is that what happens with a lot of the grocery store produce that we buy because we don't know when it's in season. We don't know where it comes from. If it's on the shelf, it must be good. Right. So we go and we buy it and we eat it and we're like, this is no good. Well, this, you're right. This fruit is no good. This is hard. This is not sweet. Well, this you're is, not getting you know, the best representation of that fruit. It's not even ripe and it will never get ripe. Mm. Like it's never even going to turn into what you think it needs to turn into. It's like you got to so have Brussels learning. sprouts really, really good before you can say that you don't like Brussels sprouts or any vegetable for that yeah, matter. I was about to say, there's a lot of that going on. So it's fun to see the plating of these places. It's fun to be in these really nice restaurants. And I'm not telling you this to like brag about the price that we paid for a meal. In fact, at $115 a plate, mm-hmm. as good as I am at farm to table, I'm like, dude, seriously. Our guy that charged us $150 to come over to his place. Yeah. And hang out the and eat poke experience from last week. tuna. And it wasn't four courses and it wasn't some big old fancy thing. We paid him $150 a person and I would have paid him that twice. He was amazing and it was amazing. And so it was, are you saying that this was overpriced? Eh, I'm just saying that there was a whole lot of fancy tacked onto it. And it was, I'm sure that for people that have never had the kind of farm to table experiences I've had. We've had. We've had. That's right. Our own farm to table experiences. And that's two now dining experiences that I'm supremely jealous of. The food was excellent. Fish and beef and fruits and Mm -hmm. Roots and yeah, I mean, this is what you would expect to have at a Hawaiian farm to table dinner. The root of all roots. And I'm still jealous. <laughs> so, I had set up kind of our planning agenda. We would go skydiving that morning. 
and then we would have dinner that evening. And our day got changed around a bit because the wind affects when you can actually skydive. So if the wind picks up, then it's hard for them to land with you without hitting the ground really hard. Okay. We weren't sure we were at any of us were going to get to skydive on the day that we were there. We sat and we waited, we sat and we waited. And then it was like, I don't know if you're going to be able to go today. It's the wind's starting to pick up. Okay. You know what? If you say it's not a good day to sure. skydive, like we're on we are team, take your word whatever for you say. <laughs> I literally just signed my life away, by the way, which I found the insurance part of skydiving fascinating. The liability waiver uh-huh. of the idea of skydiving. I can imagine. This is so fascinating to me. This is how we should live the way we live the world, right? When you come to do this particular concert or whatever, you are making a choice to come to this particular concert or whatever. If you die, you made the choice to participate in this particular thing. It gets a lot more complicated than that, doesn't it? And it doesn't need to. This is your choice. That's what it kept saying over and over again. You are choosing. Mm -hmm. And every single time it would say... You are choosing, and then it would give you, like, all the worst things that could happen to you. This is what you're choosing. Right. And then you'd have to sign it, and you'd sign that page, and then you'd make another signature, and then you'd sign the other page. Every single page you would sign, it was like, this is your choice. You could die. Right. It happens. Sign your life away. That's right. You know, and then at the very end of that, he's got a video recorder where he holds it up, and he says, Oh, wow. Did you read this thing that says... That you might die and it is your choice. And you have to say, I know that I might die and it is my choice. I thought that was so fascinating. That's how we should do everything. It is the You are making way. a choice to do this thing. This is your choice. If you die, you chose to be here in this place where you died. Oh, and I know there's 8 billion arguments to why I'm wrong, but I don't care what you think. That being said... I don't want to go up in an airplane on a day that's too windy for the guy that I just signed my life away to. Right. If he says it's too windy, we're not going up. My thinking is he doesn't want to die, so I'm going to follow his lead. Right, exactly. But it worked out where he was like, we're going to send one more up. And we were like, okay, take Lily. Lily, do you mind going by yourself? She was the one that wanted because, to do the... Yeah, okay. she started the whole conversation. Yeah, that was one of the first things she asked me if when I said... If anyone's going to skydive, it's going to be you... Is there anything you want to do when we go to Hawaii? Is there anything you that we have to get done when we go to Hawaii? The things I got out of her during the trip were, my dad says I need to drink a Mai Tai. We did that. Mm-hmm. I need to eat ramen. We finally found a place to eat ramen Wonderful. At. I want to skydive. Check, check, check. So she goes up in an airplane and she skydives on the same day as we have our delicious farm to table dinner. And she had an interesting experience, I think. An 18-year-old. I mean, the guy, when he looked at her driver's license, he's like... Oh, you just turned. This is your celebration. This is your 18th. I'm 18. I can do what I want. Like I can jump out of an airplane if I want to. And I can tell you that my heart was definitely more aware of its fear when she was going up than when I was going up. Yeah. I told her after she'd come down and I'd watched her video and seen kind of her reaction to it and how she was feeling about the whole experience. What that reminds me of watching you do that is what I felt like the day you were born. Hmm. Exactly. A lot of moms might say that about birth because it's such a huge experience. But the way I did her birth was like jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. I did a home birth in a bathtub. No one was doing that kind of stuff down here. I had a midwife. 
I was scared shitless. I was not on drugs. And there was no going backwards. Once I jumped out of the airplane, I'd already made the choice. I couldn't go back on the choice. Right. You can see that. 18 years later, I'm going to suggest it was a success. It was a huge success, but it was terrifying. And I had to talk a lot of other people into doing it. And I talked to a lot of people who say, just like they do, when you say to somebody, I'm going to go skydiving or I went skydiving. Oh, no way. I could never. That's most of the response you get. It's kind of the same thing when you tell people you're having a home birth in a bathtub. No way. I couldn't. Uh, My back. You know, like 8,000 reasons why you, you are the one that could not do this thing. A lot more common locally, I suppose, now 18 years later. I honestly don't know the answer to the question. I would guess maybe so, but they have birthing centers now, which is like the halfway point, Okay. which I'm sure a lot of women that ended up saying no or went to home birth like me would have gone to the birthing center. So So. she got her dive in and they all had the fancy meal that you just talked about. So then the next day he tells us, okay, y'all come back. The, The most anxious part of the entire thing for me, honestly, was the fact that we didn't go the day before and then I had to wait till the next day. The anxiety was whether I was going to get to go or not, which is so fascinating because you can think about like, what is the anxiety you're going to have as you're about to go jump out of a plane? Well, my anxiety ended up being about whether I was actually going to get to do it or not. Instead of... Something way worse than that. Right. Well, I've noticed how many people have asked you, myself included, were you scared the whole time? No. I think I might've talked about this, that I was having anxieties like literally I might have a heart attack. I might, those thoughts a couple of weeks ago you do did. go through my brain, just like everyone else's brains. I still have those same things at this stage of life with as much as I have been through as it relates to physical body feelings, home birth, major accidents, feelings. I feel things. And as much as I have felt things, I don't sit in them and let them become something... The boss. Really irrational. Mm-hmm. Like, let me come up with all the worst things that could happen to me while I'm about to go up and do this thing that I don't want to be scared to do. Because once you've committed to it and spent the money and you're you're committed to it, what else are you going to do? I mean, I don't know. I, I Savannah said this today when we were watching it again. Yeah, but you can do that kind of stuff. No, I have sense feelings like I get sick with things just like everybody else does. But I do believe that there probably is a nature of people. She watches horror films that I cannot watch because they make me feel so physically bad. I can go up in a plane and jump out of it. With no reservation. I saw the video. No pain. I didn't feel pain. In that experience at all. I remember that I kept thinking to myself that I was so grateful for humans. And I had so much faith in our ability to figure things out. This was your philosophic descent? Yeah. There was more to it because when I was about to jump off the plane attached to this guy who... He's actively trying to get me to relax into him because we are attached and we are about to jump out of a plane together. Mm -hmm. So when he says, okay, we're going to step off onto this tiny little ledge. You have to go first and then I'm going to come after you. When we jump, I want you to hold onto these straps and then I want you to 
bend your back and push your head back. We're going to flip just like you're doing yoga. Then he says, I'll tell you something that's really great about jumping. And I do it almost every single time I jump. I set an intention. Just wait to see what happens in your life when you set intentions as you jump out of a plane toward earth. You set some specific intentions then? I was an intention planting mama. My God, I planted seeds. A machine gun of intentions. Oh my God, I planted so many seeds, you guys. I planted seeds of love, seeds of faith, seeds of peace, seeds of joy. I mean, I'm not even kidding you. I was so into the whole experience. The plane is tiny. I have no idea what kind of size, whatever plane, but tiny, tiny, tiny. Five people. The weight limit was... We didn't meet the weight limit, but I can tell you the weight limit of the plane was minimal. Mm -hmm. You've got the person that we're jumping with, because it's a tandem jump, two jumpers, two guest jumpers, Mm -hmm. and the pilot are crammed into a sardine can that is going to, in 15 minutes, go 10,000 feet into the air, and then they're going to open the door that's right beside me. Like the guy's foot was hanging out the door as we were taking off till he could get the door shut. (laughs) And I'm looking out over Kauai and the blue, green Pacific Ocean. And I just realize that everything is more real, physically real than we've given it credit for. And part of that is I look down at the air, And of course, there's clouds coming up underneath us and you can see the ripples of the water and you can see the waves breaking on the shore Uh and all of that stuff. But you can actually see the air when you're traveling through it that fast with nothing between you and the air, basically. You can actually see the density of air. And we're so confused about what's real You could argue with me about who's real and who's not real. But in my belief, we're so confused about what's real Mm -hmm. that we don't recognize that the air around us is as dense as we are. It just holds a different vibration. And if you understand how to flow in that vibration, you ride the air. It's physical, like a road or a rock. Or anything else. Mm -hmm. You just have to understand to get in the vibration with it. To get in its pocket, basically. Mm. I know, right? Planting seeds of intention. And it is 810. We're in the Lionsgate portal. If you know anything about that, the Lionsgate portal is like the wishing well. You just put it all out there and it just floods back to you. And it floods back to you whenever you allow it to flood back to you. So that could be tomorrow or that could be in 10 years or never if you never allow the things that you plant to come back at you. So I can't stop thinking about being a seed planter, the seed planter that I am, and sharing these seeds and planting these seeds of peace. If we want peace, we have to plant seeds of peace. If we want love, we have to plant seeds of love. If we want joy, all that. Unity. All that. If we want it, we have to plant the seeds of it. And if we understand that we don't understand what we can actually do, because we've convinced ourselves that things are so much more broken or solid or whatever we've created inside our mind and just passed down generation after generation that... Who made that the truth? Jumping out of an airplane 
isn't going to feel good to everyone. There's no doubt about that. Like, I, I know that because it doesn't feel good to me to watch movies where somebody falls off a ladder. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. It hurts me. But that doesn't mean that we aren't, as people, have the ability to go way beyond. I have jumped out of an airplane over Kauai, Joe. I said this last week. That's like going to the moon. Because when I was 10-year-old Aislinn or grumpy 13-year-old Aislinn or 17-year-old wild hot pants headed to college or 21-year-old mama of a newborn... I would have never imagined in my life that I would ever have the opportunity to skydive over Kauai as a part of my lifestyle. But that's what I've built for myself by setting those intentions, by planting those seeds, and by being willing to break through the illusions. Why am I scared of that? Is that a real fear? Am I really afraid of heights? What am I actually afraid of when I go on these hiking trails? Yeah, what's underneath the fear that is easily explained? I have a fear of heights. Easily explained. Very, very common. Folks can understand and agree with that. Yeah, what's the real deal here? And the reason because why I know that is because someone's standing next to you that has no fear of heights. It's like what I say That's about genetic. food and texture of food and okra. I'm like... Hey, man, it's time to let go of some of the lies that you've told yourself. And the thing is, you can forgive yourself for telling yourself lies because someone told you lies. Right. That's it. Yeah. Someone told you lies and someone told them lies. You don't even have to be mad at the people who told you the lies mm -hmm. because someone told them lies before those lies. Sure. So we're all living in different this... Different lies in different parts of the world. Different liability lies different waiver. You just signed away your life. I just signed away my life. You can make a million excuses and reasons for why you don't do things. What came out of me is you can't know what you don't know until you try it or just simply say, I'm willing to die not having done anything like that. I have come to, in the recent days of my life, huge grips with the idea that I am living to live. That's what life is about. And if I'm not living to live and have as many experiences in this life that I can possibly have in the moment that they're occurring, then I am wasting my life and I am focusing my life on death. And death is not what life's about. That is an illusion. And we only get this life one time. I do believe that. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that we only get one life. I believe we've, we're all connected and we've had multiple, multiple, multi-universe type things. But this one, this version of it, the Aislinn version, I only get to do it once. So let me do it as well as I can. Why not? If my daughter, the one who I home birthed, I have given her credit for all of my bravery. And she won't ever understand what that means, I don't believe. But it's her. It's her that draws me to say, I'm going to do it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try that. Her home birth, the decisions I've made with parenting, she has driven me to things. And it was her choice to go skydiving. And I went because she asked me to go with her. Right. She still has a lot more to experience to be able to jump out of a plane with the amount of joy that was on my mom's face. Yeah. My mom's done it twice now. This brings me to tears. My mom is living her best life. 
my mom has gotten in the joy flow. Yeah. And she's figuring it out. Good. And she's enjoying it Good. very, very, very much. And there is nothing better in the world than to see your 18-year-old Leo daughter doing those first things that push her to the mm. limit of her fear. Today at 18, to my 66-year-old Leo mother living her best life. She's like, this is it. This is it. I'm on it. And I'm going. And to be in between that and to see that was an unforgettable moment in my life. I will never forget how special that was to be able to have that experience with them there and what it meant to me. I knew that multi-generational it was weird trip that y'all were going to take yeah. was going to be To watch the different from 18 to 66. And a woman in our family line, this is what we look like. This is what we do. Amazing. And it was beautiful. And I'm so grateful for it. So this is the last full day of your trip. Was that morning? Yes. Okay. So how do you round it all out? Well, all week long, my mom had been trying to make a connection with my brother's best friend that I've mentioned. Uh Uh-huh. That our very last day, we were going to go spend it on the west side of the island, which is, for most people, Waimea. I've mentioned that, Waimea Canyon, going to the top of the mountain. The the Grand Canyon of of Kauai. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that was going to be a day trip, and I had expected that we were going to already have been done with the skydiving. We weren't. And so that threw a little bit of a kink into us, you know, trying to come together. Um, but we did get to see Matt twice while we were there, and that was exciting because the first day we went and hung out with them kind of earlier in the week, we went out with their surf club. This is a local thing. Instead of Playdate Mommy's group, okay, they've got surf club. It's all the moms and all the kids and all the babies and all the surfboards and some of the dads, and it's 5 p.m. And they on go a, surfing. And they go surfing, and all the kids go out and surf. And that was the day that we went out, and my mom and Lily got a chance to do some snorkeling. And right. so- We'd hung out and Matt was so eager to connect with us. He wanted to show us so much about the island. He wanted to show us all the local things about the island. And I told you that he's a hunterman. And so he had a fridge full of venison and wild hog. And he he named other things, all kinds of fish, other kinds of animals. I don't even know, goats and I don't know, all kinds of things. But he harvested there from his own hunting and fishing. Exactly. Amazing. But he also was showing us all the cool fruit. So when we drove up, his son had a machete out to the banana tree, and they were hacking off the ice cream bananas from the banana tree in their They were going to give you the full experience. Absolutely. Badass. Then he goes, you want a coconut? Yeah, I don't even know what that means. So he climbs up the most ridiculously tall ladder I've ever seen to the top of a coconut tree, and he's got a ginormous, like... This guy's got skills, man, Mm -hmm. because he's up there, you know, and he cuts off this giant mound of coconuts, ginormous coconuts fall out of the tree. He sticks the coconut between his bare feet. He gets his drill out. He drills a hole in one side. He flips it over on top of a jar, starts kind of running out. He takes his drill, puts it the other side, runs it out. Coconut right out of the tree that he did for us there. Just like I was a tourist. How much like go water over comes to the, out of that coconut? I don't know. It was a lot. It was not the full pickle jar big, but the next size. We divided it up and we were all drinking it. And it tastes completely different than the coconut Packaged. water you're scared of. Right. Most people don't like coconut water. This is like sweet and salty and pulpy and ooh, so good. I just slurped that down. He wanted to give us the things that the tourists want to get, but he wanted to give it to us. Like we were taken by a private guide. Got it. 
So he comes and meets us at the skydive place. He actually saw us come out of the air from where he was. He was like, I bet that's them. And he drove over to the Port Allen and he was like, hey, did y'all just... Yeah, that was y'all. Because I saw y'all come out of the air when I drove up or whatever. We jump in his Toyota Tacoma. This is important because the real Hawaiians drive Tacomas. And they drive old school Tacomas and new school Tacomas. And they park them everywhere. I mean, they drive up on anything they want to drive on, even in the big save parking lot. The Tacoma (laughs) is the suburban of Hawaii? It's crazy. And I want one so bad. I'm like, I want a Tacoma. I like these Tacomas. These are awesome. The night that we had seen him the night before, he had taken us to like a private waterfall, the private waterfall where he had taken his wife to do her birth photos. You know, those beautiful birth photos where we're holding our belly or whatever. She's got this amazing waterfall behind us, this private waterfall. And because of the types of work that he does... He has a lot of access to pri- some of the private hunting land. But he also, because he's a hunterman, knows the public hunting land. And so he took us up the mountain where basically the hunters would go. Lookouts that he knew that there wasn't going to be a bunch of tourists at the lookouts. There was one lookout. It was the Kalalau lookout. That one was kind of a touristy one. There was a bunch of people up there at that one. But everywhere else... We would drive past and he'd be like, that's where the tourists go. And then we'd go, hold on. And he'd take us and he'd be like, okay, go this way. I forgot how barefooted this kid was. (laughs) I have been watching this kid grow up all my life. When I was like in junior high, I was hanging out with this other kid and he was coming over in the summertime and he had to bring his little brother with him. And I was babysitting my little brother. The next thing you know, these two little kids have become best friends And everywhere we go, all summer, all year long, these two boys are just crazy. My brother, somewhat barefooted, Matt, always barefooted, running every inch of the coast of South Texas, fishing, hunting. They still do hunting stuff together whenever they're together. Mm -hmm. This is what he does every day of his life. He literally made his life to where he can be a hunting guide. exactly what he wants to do. A fish boat captain. Mm Mm-hmm. And when he's not doing that stuff for money, he's doing it for his family. And they hunt wild hog there, which I wasn't expecting him to take us where he took us. He basically took us into... Wilderness? Yeah. Hunting wilderness. Parts of the island that are not the beach, that are the forests and the mountains. They have their different type of beauty to them, I imagine. Much drier, well, dry, and lots and lots and lots of trees. He talked to us a lot about the different types of trees. He pointed up, we were over at the river one at one point, and he pointed up and he sees, you see that massive tree right there, that huge tree? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's a guava tree. It's, it's the biggest tree I've ever seen round big eucalyptus the number of the types of things that he was able to point out and then he would take us over he's like hold on he'd pull off the road see that that's a guava eat it blackberries over there pull off blackberries you know he knew where he knew where everything was and he took us to see some of the coolest things of course we saw the waimea canyon from several different angles we went way up into the mountain. We drove in all kinds of scary places. I was thinking of our trip to Arkansas uh-huh. in the Mercedes, yeah. driving up the red clay in the <laughs> mountain or whatever. I don't think the Mercedes would have made it where we was went. Lily he into put it into. This? She was very quiet, and I had mentioned that she wasn't as huge of a fan of the hiking, mm-hmm. like the sleeping when we did the sleeping giant hike. She was kind of like, I don't really want to hike, you know. 
And we did a little bit of hiking on this, not a ton by any means, because it's not really what they wanted to do. They mostly wanted to look, but we did hike in to a river and I got in and I swam and that place was really, really, really magical. Even to the point of the way the the water looked and the sun behind you, whenever, when you look down, it looked like you had like this red gold aura around. Oh yeah. I saw those pictures. We'll definitely post those. It was insanely beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we all went out on the rocks. Lily Lily really liked that. She likes looking at nature. So if she sees interesting little creatures and things like that. So she was watching the crawfish. You know, they were on the bottom. And then we saw these other little interesting fish. So I think that the nature and seeing the animals, that was a really intriguing part yeah. of that for her. Yeah, that would have been so much fun. It was such a great experience. And, of course, I did my headstands everywhere that I could get my butt up in the air. Yeah. But... Matt just really, really took care of us. And it was really nice to be able to share in the experience that he wanted to share as it relates to his Kauai. What an asset for a trip like this. Mm -hmm. A local that can really show you local things. Absolutely. And he just kept saying to me over and over again, like, when you come back, Aislinn, like specifically to me, because he could tell that I was way more into like hiking these trails Uh and trying He's like, when you come back, Aislinn, I'll take you here and I'll take you there and I'll take you here. And then the other thing he did was he took us up because it's a hunting lodge. So you think about in the winter time when it's cold, it's a little bit of a different experience on top of this mountain where there's a little bit of snow and, you know, there's hunters out. Snow? Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. I have heard that even about some of the other bigger islands, but for sure it's cold. Like it gets in thirties and you're wet and cold and you're up in the top of a mountain Mm -hmm. a lot of the places he took us to you can actually get up there in a car and then um you're in there backpacking from that point or they've got these cool little places where as long as there's nobody there i mean this is a part of the public hunting you know you've got a bathroom and you've got a covered picnic table and you just set up your camp. Yeah. And it's public and you use it and you just take care of your little space. And then when you're done, you leave it for the next public person to, to handle it or whatever. So and that's that was your really hunting cool. lodge, so to speak. Exactly. Interesting. And then they have an actual lodge up at the top of the mountain. And this was fun because it was completely different than any other like touristy lodge dinner place we had gone. We did actually eat there. Okay. You know, get ourselves filled up. We're going to go do some hiking. We're going to, you know, whatever. I had a really delicious vegetarian curry that they use the kobocha squash, local squash okay. they're growing there. That was a fun conversation. They make local kombucha there, you know, and it's just this cool little like hunting lodge where they've got, if you're going to buy wild game hunting tourism things, if you're a hunter, this is where you come and get your tourist items from. And you do your camping out here in the middle of the wilderness and some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. And I was so grateful to have the hiking experiences, to have Matt there to show us around, to have the experience of skydiving. That there's people on this planet. This is one of the things that I love the most about the skydiver that he said to me. He goes, I tried to do the other types of jobs and they don't work for me. This job works for me. And he was actually in town. He flies usually in San Diego, Uh but they had called him in as a substitute. He was on vacation, but working while he was on vacation. Yeah. But I liked that he said that because it's, I feel the same type of way. We need to find the thing that is our thing that we do best. And it could be something crazy as shit as 
skydiving, but you're good at it and you've got the chill to jump out of the plane 10 times in a row with people that are scared shitless, you know? You're very irresponsible for their experience in so many ways. You're attached to them. Well, I was thinking about how someone like that has to be able to bring you in and then separate from you. To have that kind of like compassion, but then to be able to set that kind of boundary. Right. Because I'm attached to that person once I've jumped out of an airplane with them. I'm like, if I ever see that, and then coincidentally, we're out there hiking and we literally run across all these people on the hiking trail. I'm like, oh my God, that's my guy. He, we jumped out of a plane oh, together, funny. you know? And he's just like, oh, hey, what's up? He probably doesn't even remember my name. No, he did that with six other people the other exactly. day. Exactly. You know, but to be able to have that kind of skill to do that job and to make it comfortable and yeah. like. Well, I'm back here living vicariously through you. I'm noting all of your photographs. And it was when you met up with Matt that I could tell that the trip took a big turn because you were seeing things that most people don't get to see. Mm -hmm. That private waterfall you took the photos in. Mm -hmm. That coconut video when he cracks that coconut open with using his feet. And yeah, so I was very happy to know you were having a very local magical experience. This is what I mean when I say you don't go on a vacation like that and not come home a different person. I'm a traveler by nature. My star sign alone tells the whole world all I care about is traveling. Yeah. So it, to me, it's a part of my job. Like I was telling my friend today about investing in my children with trips. This is what, what I do with my kids for a gift, for yeah. a learning experience. I invest in this because I believe that there's probably nothing better for learning than travel. Right. It's that hands in the dirt learning experience that I talk about. It's the same thing. It's just red dirt filled with volcanic properties. Exactly. And if you go with Aislinn Guide, you can afford to go to Kauai too. Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. There's so many ways out of this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I'm ready. Do you believe in aliens? This is my latest thought on this matter. I believe that every reason for them and skepticism of them is all wrapped up in small thinking. Mm -hmm. These new telescope pictures that we have, mm -hmm. infinity mm -hmm. and beyond infinity. And what is the definition of infinity? Mm -hmm. Infinity means that as we continue, there's every relationship between star and planet that would completely could mimic ours if that is what is required for life. Due to the laws of infinity, everything exists. Everything. So aliens, as we're describing them, yeah, it exists. Will we ever come in contact with them? I have no idea. Haven't they proven that we have contacted aliens? Did they? Sightings of aliens? Something. I hadn't heard this news. That they were seeing UFOs? I don't know what you're talking about. Seriously? Yes. Oh, my God. They're... You might be referring to the idea that some confidential doc documents were released from the government. Yes. I hadn't pursued that. My understanding about those documents is that they are documents that say, yeah, there's definitely other life out there. We'll and we've been in contact with it. Let's and gong we... this immediately. But do you think aliens exist? Forget these documents. What is an alien? What's the definition of an alien? Because that's the first question I ask. A life form that did not originate on Earth, popularly 
thought of as humanoid or the ability to travel and move and think like we do. Do I think that there's life like the human life on Earth anywhere else in the world? You've seen Star Wars, the cantina scene. It's filled with different kinds of aliens. All of those would qualify as the answer to your question. I don't believe in aliens, but I don't believe that we're the only thing that's ever existed. Humans of 6,000 year existence are the only things that have ever existed in infinity. The idea that some kind of like weird shaped human-like thing exists somewhere in another galaxy on another planet, I don't know if I believe that. I think that whatever exists beyond us and before us doesn't have to be anything like us. Is that an alien? I believe I exist. All the fancy and the schmancy. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. <laughs>